Yeah, just to remember that that resurrection life, we're coming up on Passover Easter time and the resurrected life of Jesus dwells in us. And uh, yeah, I, that's super exciting. Just to be uh, everybody, you know, we're, we're, we're getting good at being transparent and that's good because this format is family format. And um, we are, we are seeing that God is not interested in performance. He's not religious. He's not interested in tradition and ritual per se for the sake of looking good or sounding good or impressing one another. He is interested in our hearts and he's interested in people who worship in spirit and in truth. And uh, Marilyn, I owe you apology because I sort of uh, felt like I needed to be in control right there when we started before the, ser the service started this morning. And uh, you just, you, you know, when someone's in the flesh or someone's in the spirit and there's times when, when you're speaking or leading that you feel like you need to make something happen for one reason or another. And uh, so I just, I repent <laughs> And um, I, the Lord gave me this verse from uh, 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And then here's the part that is kind of amazing if you would think we're talking, it sounds like we're talking on like second heaven, demonic scales of things that are destruction of fortresses. But actually it says, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened there? I'm now in my own mind, I think, right? I'm taking every thought. I can't take someone else's thoughts captive. I can only take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. So one thought is the most powerful thing in the universe. As far as my understanding, my walk with God, one thought, a high thought can take me up and a, a lie can take me right out and take me down. Anybody know about this? Yeah. Yeah. One thought. One thought, one lie, if I digest it, if I'm regurgitating it in my mind, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, they hate you. Oh, that whatever, whatever the silly thing is that's not true before God, it can absolutely set me into spin mode and take me down so I can't even hear the voice of God. Anybody know what you're I'm talking about? <laughs> So what we're learning, what we're learning is to, to allow that river of living water, you know, to flow through us, to flow through us all the time and not to beat ourselves up when we listen momentarily to the lie. So none of us gets that right all the time. Remember last week we talked about well, what would be, describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit with one word. And people were 
really honest. And I, we so appreciate that because we're, we're learning to be very real with each other, parts of the body. You know, we can be very real with one another because we belong to one another. So we don't ever, no one ever always gets it right. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to, we need to be shepherded by the Holy Spirit until life. And so we're learning by the power of the Holy Spirit to, you know, take thoughts captive. But part of it is to just turning that thought to God and saying, God, just, just forgive me and, and take that, take that emotion, take that lie and help me get back to that place of shalom, <laughs> that deep place of shalom. You know, there was kingdom ever before there was church, right? The kingdom is wherever the will of God is done. So when Jesus, the disciples said, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So kingdom is really wherever the will of God is done. Kingdom is wherever the will of God is done. That's a, like a one easy definition of kingdom. And if we understand kingdom, so my taking my thought captive in aligning myself with the will of God and walking in truth brings kingdom. And he said, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things, food, clothing, whatever you need for life. You know, that's the birds of the air and the flowers of the field passage. Those that will be added unto you. You seek first the kingdom. So it turns out seeking the kingdom sometimes is just my thinking truth. If I think truth about God and think truth about myself and how God sees me, I will be in very deep peace. I will have the shalom of God. And shalom isn't just like an absence of, of war or an absence of disruption. It's, it's everything in place, nothing broken, nothing missing. That's shalom of God. So really, almost everywhere you see, I can say everywhere you see the word kingdom in scripture, that would be the shalom of God. Let your shalom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let the peace of God come because the peace is the opposite of chaos. I don't know if anyone else has noticed and being facetious that the state of the world, the enemy is trying to bring absolute chaos, isn't he? Chaos in our governmental systems, chaos in our response to you know, all these protests and chaos in our thinking, chaos in our morality, and the absolute out of, out of chaos. In the beginning when there was chaos, and some of you have heard this, this term before in Hebrew, it's tohu bohu, complete chaos. There was complete chaos, 
And then the spirit of God was hovering over that tohu bohu, that mess hovering over it and brought order and brought the shalom of God and put things into place. And then ever since the fall, the mission is the restoration of shalom, the restoration, the defeat of chaos. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the evil one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does it by instituting this shalom, this peace of Christ. That is, I've heard Suzanne say this many times, it's a weapon. This is a peace that is so powerful that passes all understanding, Paul says, that when we can be anchored and rooted in it and hidden in it and covered in it, you know, it, it, it governs everything we say and do. And so when I, you know, I, I get thrown off and I have a thought that sends me into fleshly land and I'm not walking by the spirit, I'm not here in the spirit, then just I'm learning and we're all learning this together. I'm learning to drop down in my spirit and just say, God, forgive me. Restore my soul. I've been saying that a lot lately, right? Help me to think truth. And don't let anything come between your shalom in my heart and life. And our walking that out together. So it seemed like the uh, yeah, seemed like that was the direction that was that was the direction I was supposed to go. Um, it's been really interesting to to just ask for people to get the Holy Spirit to fill them this last couple of weeks, um, because that's what. That's what, that's God's plan for building the church. That's God's plan for church, period. <laughs> he says uh, to the disciples, I'm going away, right? And it'll be better for you when the Holy Spirit comes. And um, don't go anywhere. Go to Jerusalem and wait until the power comes upon you. And I think this is what he's sort of bringing to the forefront right now is this a life of constant shalom is only going to happen as we learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit of the Prince of Peace, right? So he brings us that, that shalom. And he, he says... He stands up on the last day of the Feast of Booths. It's in John 7. And he says, listen to me. Out, anyone who believes in me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers or springs of living water. And that's like a continual flow. A continual flow. 
So, you know, in Israel, it's pretty dry. <laughs> it's not, it's not the very most fertile part of the fertile crescent. It's dry. And, and water is super important. In fact, if I, we, we live on the bottom part of the Sahara desert. So um, water is, is critical. So if I said this statement, uh, without water, there is no, what would you say? Fill in the blank. Life. 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 Yeah. There's no life. Without water, there is no life. And um, so the idea, you know, I think when we think of living water, we kind of, we think of Jesus at the well with the, the Samaritan woman and, and he says, if you knew who it was, who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And you're like, well, what's that? That's what he wanted her to ask, right? Well, what's that? What's living water? And actually living, living water is uh, from the New Testament or from the Old Testament God was called the living water in, in Jeremiah a couple of times. It says, um, Jeremiah 17, 13, Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down because they've forsaken you, the fountain of living water. That is the Lord. And so, so Jesus shows up and he says, uh, I've got living water. In fact, he says in John 7, he says at this feast, he says, anyone who believes in me out of his inmost being will flow these springs of living water. And they must have just thought, oh, my goodness, like that's a God declaration in itself. Only God was a, the fountain of living water. So the Jewish hearers would have said, what are you saying there? There's, a, there's another blasphemy charge, right? <laughs> How are you going to be living water, guy? You're just a rabbi. And he says, yeah, not only do I have living water and I am living water, you who believe in me will have living water. Interesting that they were at the Feast of Tabernacles at the time. And it says on the last day of the feast, on the most important day, Jesus stands up and rabbis didn't stand up. They sat and he says, if you believe in me out of your inmost being, out of your belly, same word as Jonah in the belly of the fish, out of your belly will flow these streams of water that are living which means they're, they're vital. They sustain life in and of themselves, not like the Dead Sea. Isn't it ironic that Israel has the Dead Sea, right? Big example of what happens if it's not living water. So he says these, this life, this living water, this flowing, not stagnant life will come out of your very belly. It will have the vital power in itself to to perform whatever it needs to perform and so here we have this picture of a spring 
And if you know what a spring looks like, it's not like a well where you go and you dip in and pull out. That's, that's good. That's a source of water. And then it's not like a cistern. I don't know if any of you know about cisterns. It's not really something that we tend to use in our land of abundant water. But in Israel, a cistern, you had to dig it down, down through the bedrock, down really deep and make like a bell-shaped reservoir. It's a reservoir, except that everything washed into it. So by the end of the dry season, it would just be full of all sorts of stuff, you know, sheep dung, rocks, uh, debris. It just would be full of sludge at the bottom. So a cistern would be like the worst kind of water. It's water. It will keep you alive, but it's not fresh and it's not exhilarating. It's not invigorating. It's the worst kind of water. Interesting that Jeremiah also talks about cisterns, right? Do you remember the scripture that uh, says, my people have committed two sins. They've, I'm going to quote it exactly here. They've turned away from me and they've dug for themselves cisterns. Not only that, that they're broken cisterns. So he, he set it all up in, in the Old Testament for the Holy Spirit to come for the living water, for the spring that the spring is springing up, whether or not anybody's drawing the water, it's just a bubbling up, it's coming out, it's there. And so in when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, when I have the Holy Spirit in me, there is a tap that does not shut off. And it's not that, that I get more of the Holy Spirit, it's just that I become aware of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And that the Holy Spirit gets more of me. Does that make sense? There's no junior-sized Holy Spirit for kids. There's no trial-sized Holy Spirit. There's just the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he likes to do things really abundantly. He said he came to give us life and that more abundantly. So he goes, boom, you now have the divine nature <laughs> living in you. Better than a genie in a bottle, guys. He is the whole divine nature of God living in these clay pots so that the majesty and glory of God can be seen in us because he's the living water and we're a clay pot. Woohoo! <laughs> There's no glory in clay pots, but the glory of God comes and inhabits clay pots and manifests himself and we have access to that never ending stream. So really it's just us saying, Lord, take over. Again, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So there's times when I want to just go to that old spinny place in my brain that says, I'm so dumb. I blew it again. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. And the Holy Spirit's like, 
wait a minute, I'm over here. <laughs> spring, 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 life, 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 life. Why are you spinning in death, Sue? Get it, you know, like jump over here. I'm always flowing. So it's training my mind, right? It's that one thought, taking that thought captive, lasso it in, bring it in, and don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, I, I think I got there like five seconds faster this time than last time. I didn't spend half a day beating myself up on a stupid thought. I didn't spend four hours beating myself up with a stupid thought, but I jumped back into the river that is always there, all of it in all its glory and all his power and all his holiness. And he's also the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I will give you the spirit of truth and he will lead you into all truth because he hears what the father says. And then he speaks it to you. So you will have discernment and you will know truth. Anybody need to have a little discernment for truth these days? Wow. And we've got people who believe everything. And we got people who believe nothing. <laughs> I don't think either of those positions is probably the way to get through this. We need, we need the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. So uh, I just want to, this is a shout out to the Holy Spirit. He's the one that birthed the church. He's the one without whom we can do nothing. He is the driver. He's the comforter. He's the one who leads us into truth. He's the one that energizes and brings life. Without water, there is no life. And so uh, wherever you are with the Holy Spirit and how you answered that question last week, what use one word to describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there were some amazing, some of you texted me after some of the words that God gave you. And we have such a I just love you guys. Like it's such an amazing group. The things that God is doing in us are so neat. And then we said, what is the word the Holy Spirit would want to give us where he wants us to be in him? And most of the words were like closer, you know, more. You want more of the Holy He wants us to have more of him or more of us more correctly, probably. And um, some, some of us are supposed to be drunk in the Holy Spirit, right? Filled, baptized. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's a lot of thoughts there. So this week, I just invite you to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit and ask him, where teach me how to access more regularly do you know that like all of us access the holy spirit sometimes and it and we're learning that we can live there it's not a visitation but a habitation that the holy spirit dwells in us and leads us and we learn to keep in step and so that's that's a process so we don't want to we want to encourage one another on the journey in the process to just uh, keep believing the power of God to will and to work in us to accomplish and complete the good work he's begun in us. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, anyone have something to share? And then I think Suzanne will probably...